Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome to another podcast, Power, Strength and Vulnerability. I'm your host, Shane Kelton. And before we get to today's guest, uh, which you'll know already because you would have written the show, read the show notes, but I want to give a shout out to MoneyQuest in Campbell who have jumped on board Power, Strength and Vulnerability in partnership. So if anyone's out there looking for a home loan or refinancing, get in touch with Jason and tell him that Power, Strength and Vulnerability sent you. So now to the guest, welcome Aaron Mullet. Thanks, mate. He's <laughs> got a big smile. I think the nerves just kind of kicked in a little bit. Yeah. No, um, no. So as I spoke to you before, I've, I've done some research on you. Um, it's the first person I've ever been able to research because um, I know all my friends. But I know I know a lot. I didn't know a lot of the AFL stuff. I knew a lot of stuff prior to to this, so it was quite interesting. But first thing I wanted to say. I'm going to say some names, and you've got to try and tell me where these names are from. Yeah. Brandon Ellis, Steel Sidebottom, Jake Carlisle, Nat Fife, Bison Heppel, Dan Hanabry, Dustin Martin, Jack Darling, Chad Wingard, Luke Bruce, Jeremy Cameron, Stephen Motlop, Tony Omlin Batore, Dion Prestia, and Jack Zeeble. What do they all have in common? Play that far. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> they... We're in the under-22, best-22 in 2013 with you. There you go. So there's some fair names in that list. Yeah, nice squeeze in there. Where did you rank, you rank in that list? Oh, <laughs> at the bottom. There's a few premiership players in there. Um, and some absolute guns. So. It's embarrassing, that. But in saying that, you say it's embarrassing, but how, at that time, had that feel? Like, yeah, yeah, unreal. Yeah, like that was probably looking back on it now, probably the greatest achievement really to date to my, for my career because... Yeah, I've come as a rookie. Those guys are all half high draft picks. I thought I was nowhere near it at the start, and to sort of kind of come along in two or three years. Um, yeah, it was a pretty proud moment. So we'll touch more on that um, as we go on, but I just wanted to pull that out there because I think that's that's a pretty good list of people. And it, yeah. I did. I, I read through it, and I was like, yeah. far out. They are. They're all probably playing AFL soon. I'm plumbing away out in Chaganina. <laughs> You're mad beautiful. Yeah, I was going to say which one. <laughs> Is Motlop still playing? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah he would be. They're all there. Zeebles there. You played some good amount of footy with. So um, we won't go too much into your stats. So I want to talk about uh, your childhood to start with before we go into the AFL and what you're doing now. So I grew up one year since you were a little five-year-old dweeb. Yeah. Would that be the perfect way to describe you, a little no, dweeb? Yeah, I was probably a dweeb until... Well, I'm 16, 16, I reckon yeah. you were as well. So, yeah. and we'll talk about under fifteens as we as we go. But I mean, what was it like growing up for you? You grew up next to a footy oval. Your two older brothers. How old, how much older are your brothers than you? Uh, nine and eight. I think they are. Oh, years yeah. older than you. Yeah, so yeah. quite so Just a little accident <laughs> down the track. Coming in, Timmy. Got to, got to work. Yeah. Um, so, what, I mean, what was it like growing up with brothers who were probably bullying you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Ben, especially Ben was. Yeah. He, he was, yeah, pretty feisty. But I, was, I would have been the biggest little smart ass. Like, you were? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I don't mind, I'll be four years older than you, so I saw you in primary school. You were smart ass in, in primary school. Prime, yeah, sport. Too, yeah. 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 And you were a little too. But I remember, so Benny. You played. What was it like growing up with them, knowing they were so good at sport as well? Because you obviously yeah. were grown into sport. I mean, your dad loved sport as well. Yeah. So what was that like? Oh, it was challenging. It, it made me good at every sport, really, because I was playing with them. They're nine, eight years older than me. Rick Dent was lived next door. All the sporting people, and I'd go to primary school and just beat up on the other kids playing <laughs> and things like that. So I'd bit like my brother bowling at me, bowling quick. And, and I'd go play, I'd back. play juniors and on Saturday mornings and just start smashing them because I thought it was so easy because, yeah. you know, I was copping it from them. They weren't fucking swapping it. Yeah, it's very, it's very, Yeah, so it, it made everything so much easier as a kid playing against my own age. Yeah. Um, when did you... What was... What was let's talk about family life. What was it like at home for you? Like, I'm guessing, like, I know your family reasonably well. Like, yeah. they're very caring, loving people. Like, even to this day, like, oh, I can message Ryan and I haven't seen him in 10 years and he'll write back. Like, yeah. what was it like growing up with them and 
your parents, like, at home. Yeah, I felt very loved. Like, it was... I got, I got spoiled, there's no doubt about that. You know, like, nine years younger, the youngest child. I got spoiled with, like, yeah, ridiculously, you know, whatever I wanted, I kind of got. And, you know, looking back on it now, you think your mum and dad are loaded and, and whatnot. But yeah. at the time, they were actually struggling financially, and I had no idea because yeah. I just got whatever I wanted. New cricket bats, the best of everything, because I always wanted to have the best, you know, yeah. everything, and, and they did that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I guess as being the youngest, you kind of... You know, you got looked after that way. Um, but, yeah, felt very, yeah, very loved. Whatever I wanted to do, they were, you know, mum and dad would be at every sporting carnivals through the holidays and rep cricket, rep footy, whatever it was. You know, they were always there watching and taking me there. And, yeah, the support was, yeah, enormous. Uh, you uh, just went to a little old primary school, Moorbuck Primary School and Moorbuck High School. I did, yeah. What was, what was that like? Uh, not, many, not, not many have come out of those two places. No, no. I mean, obviously the primary school... In the corner there at uh, Five Ways Roundabout, it's gone. Um, I think we had uh, not that. even 100 kids when I was there. Yeah. Um, I think we graduated, I don't know, maybe with 13 in yeah, grade six. Yeah, you had a really small year. small. The one yeah. above you was big. Well, yeah. And, and then, then when lost. they left, yeah. we pretty much lost half the school. Um, and then, yeah, we were by college or high school. I think it was college. Halfway through, they swapped the name. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just wasn't really into school. I just, it was just all sports, really. You know, like I... Just, yeah, be working away, but thinking about, you know, playtime and lunchtime, what, what games you want to play and whatnot. And then it got to a point, probably year 10, where I started, you know, both my brothers are tradies and I just kind of just sort of went down that path and started doing a bit of pre-co and before I know it, year 11, I was out of there. <laughs> um, I didn't do much past year 11 anyway, so I may as well have been out of there as well. So well, before we touch on footy, I mean, you're a good cricketer too. Was there... Ever the temptation to follow cricket more than footy, or was it, you know, was cricket just sort of something fun for you to do? No, cricket was number one until I reckon I was maybe 17 or 16, and I had the, I got, I went to Vermont and got picked up by Eastern Rangers, and they just said, look, you've got to pick one, we think you can go really well in football, but you can't keep juggling both. They kept overlapping, I was playing rep cricket at the time, and playing senior cricket, um, and your body kind of doesn't cope well with with that, especially, you know, big summer days, stress, and then you've got to sort of back up, go to pre-season on a Monday, whatever. Um, I was getting a few little injuries just from overloaded, um, you know, had a few hamstrings and things like that, and at a young age at 17, 18, that's not a good sign. So, um, yeah, I I guess I chose footy, but I I was a lot better at cricket growing up. Um, My probably first three or four years as a junior at Milwaukee, I think I won maybe three out of four best and fairest, and then... I really struggled because um, there was no below um, age at Murrubark, so I was always playing up up age. Yes. Um, and then when the body started getting bigger, I stayed little scrawny, little yeah. run, and was getting bullied and getting beaten up and didn't really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, cricket was always my number one until I had to choose. So we we are part of an illustrious club. You got a two blues cap at what age? So you, two blues is their first 11 at cap at Murrubark. Yeah. You were 15 or 16? Oh, yeah, I would have been 15 or 16, yeah. I can't, I don't know the exact age, but yeah. And yeah, I think I got it 10 years later at 26. <laughs> <laughs> cricket was a lot, a lot to finish there. So, um, so like the talent was there, clearly, but it became a choice. Now, you, you did mention the uh, runty, runty days and dweeby days. Like, and I, I heard this on the grapevine back a long time ago, but you were described as a small forward pocket who would never amount to anything. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, wouldn't be surprising. Like I, yeah, I, I came from being the best player at Murwak in under tens to maybe under thirteens, fourteens, to literally like scraping the barrel to get you know maybe five minutes a quarter, ten minutes a quarter, and it just it, it was to a point where I was like, I love this footy club so much, but I, I need to, I need to go somewhere else, I need to change because I started sort of hating coaches and hating this because I wasn't getting yeah. time. But in my head, I knew I was talented the most. Like, I knew that, like, I could kick it better than anyone else. I could take speckies and marks and kick goals, but I was just getting, I was just too small and skinny and just getting pushed off the ball way too yeah. easily. And so, yeah, it come to a point where I was like, well, you know, Brian was playing at Vermont at the time. Brian's like, well, come here, we've got solid juniors and we're in A division. So I went there and things just turned like, it literally, like, click of the fingers, it just started to turn. Was there, was there a point there you thought of giving up? Like, um, no, nah, not giving up, but I reckon if I went to Vermont and, and battled and struggled, 
um, yeah, it probably would have been cricket would have taken over for sure. Yeah, you say, obviously, so you didn't struggle. You went to Vermont and things went well. Did you kind of at the time, and you were 16, but did you kind of think up yours to the people that... Yeah, had, yeah, I, I did a little bit, yeah. And there was a bit of, I guess, animosity towards the whole situation at Moorabah? Yeah, yeah, there was, there was a little bit. Um, but in my head, I knew I kind of did the right thing once I, I left. Um, but then I guess looking back on it now, if I had conversations with people that kind of said, what's he doing going there or whatever... Mm. I would go, well, what did you expect me to do? Yeah. Like, really, like, I'm, you know, I'm, pl- I'm playing above age and getting beaten up and getting no minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even if it was for a couple of years and I just went to Vermont and then kind of came back, you know, play 18s or mates again. But at that time, I think I just needed to do that for my footy and just see, you know, how I would go at, the, at my age level. I guess there's going to be parents and kids, mate, probably potentially listening to this and might be in the same boat or whatever and... You know, I think it's important to sort of... You're still friends with some of the guys that have back that you played in those years with, aren't you? Yeah, a lot of them are still the best mates. Yeah, sure. and I think that's yeah. really important. Like, it, you're not leaving your friends. You're, you, you're sort of looking for a better opportunity and you have belief in yourself, which is, um, I think, is really important, especially through that years. I guess then you went into Rangers and all of a sudden you're stepping up again, so you need more belief in yourself. Otherwise, I'm guessing you can get spat out. Yeah. If you don't believe in yourself, yeah, yeah, mostly, you unless you're a freak, you get out pretty quickly, yeah. Um, so what was that like? I mean, you go really well at Vermont, um, and you had started having people looking at you and potentially you know, playing AFL. What did that sort of couple of year period look like for you? It, it went, generally went zero to hundred super quick. Like it went to a point where I was just, oh, I'll go to Vermont, see how I go. To then kind of going, oh, hang on a sec, I'm, I'm getting invited to Eastern Rangers. And then I went there and I felt so out of place. But then within three or four months, I was thinking, hang on a sec, I'm, I'm almost one of the better players here. And I'm, yeah. But I feel like I got one of the better kicks here. And, you know, people kept telling me how good my kicking was, which I, I didn't really know. I always knew I kind of, you know, the foot I like to kick long goals and whatnot. But I've never really been told that you've got you're a really good, good kick. And yeah. then, you know, I started believing it. And had confidence every time I got the ball, I just knew I was going to hit a target and I just never second-guessed my kid. Yeah. And I guess that, that kind of got me going. Um, you know, I started playing half-back there where I was always a midfield forward. I started playing half-back because they wanted me to kick out and things like that. And then it just, your mindset starts to change. And when you got the ball, you just I just knew that I was going to hit something and confidence just grew from there. So, is your second year, like I so well, I've done heaps of research, but I don't need to use it for all this stuff. Um, but your second year, you then played Vic Metro? Second year, I played, yeah, Vic Metro. Yeah, um, so top age 18. Yeah, so what yeah. Were you, you were, was that when you were landscaping? Was that the year? Yeah, yeah, sorry. So the Vic Metro was under 16, so I was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, under 16s. Um, and that's when I was landscaping with you. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's when the workload started to, yeah, really take a bit of toll and. You know, you had to get in the city at four o'clock or whatever, and I was obviously working full time. Yeah. During the day, so it, yeah. And so we were, we were talking off air about this, and I didn't think you would remember, but yeah, during that time, I remember you were quite stressed because you wanted to get to training, but then some days concrete would be late, so I'd be like, you'd, you'd want to go, but you weren't allowed to go, and it, yeah, I guess it. Watching you, I could see the like the pain inside you, like a sixteen-year-old kid who wants to play AFL, doesn't want to landscape forever. Yeah. Now you're back in trade, so yeah. um, shows I thought it last forever. But there was a lot of stress around that, and I, I'm guessing lots of 16 to 19 year old kids who want to achieve something have the same battles. Like, what would you look back and change, or would you look back and it's just it is what it is, kind of thing? Oh uh, well, looking back on it now, I probably would have stayed at school and so, so I could be out, I could balance it a lot better. Yeah. Um, but at the time, that wasn't working for me. Um, so I just had to have conversations and I ended up, I ended up doing that. I had a conversation with Clint, was, which was our boss, and then I ended up working, I think, three days a week yeah. or so the days that I had fully training that night, I, I wasn't working and, you know, it was, it was massive for him. He didn't have to do that at all. Yeah. Which, which he did because I think he saw how much it meant to me and, you know, I just had a chat with him. I said, look, there's only a one-year period, a window, that I can have a crack at it. Yeah. So I wanted to have a crack at it and, you know, if it doesn't work, well, you know, yeah, time next year, and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm investing this business. But at that time, I um, I, I just needed a bit of yeah, I, I guess some wheel room. To be able to... First bit of advice: stay in school. Yeah. Second bit, bit of advice: if you don't stay in school, is just to have a conversation with someone because you never know. I guess what they might turn around and say. And we had we were fortunate enough to have a boss who played footy 
um, at, you know, in Queensland at a pretty high level. So he understood it and I was pretty lucky. I always got man Mondays and footy trips off where a lot of my yeah, friends yeah. didn't. So he understood that. So I guess that was, that was good that he could, you know, help out in that way because it does take that stress off like on a couple of days a week because yeah. landscape, it was quite a physical job. Like, yeah, so I was pushing barrows through, you know, majority of it. Yeah. 60 kilos dripping wet and then going, you know. <laughs> Going to footy training and trying to compete, you know, because you're literally there. You've got the, the probably the best 25 to 30, you know, young kids in Victoria yeah. all striving to get drafted. So even training was just so competitive. Yeah. You know, like everyone's just trying to outdo each other. So blokes are trying to hurt each other, tackling, you know, it was, it was pretty brutal. So you had to be, had to, like, you had to be ready to go to be able to perform. So you went from this small forward pocket who admittedly probably didn't look like he was going to play senior football at that stage yeah. because of what was going on. Vermont, Rangers, and then rookie number 34, A Mullet, was called out. Yeah. Where were you? How was that? Um, I was just at my, we were living at our grandpa's. Um, so mum and dad were there. It was me, my girlfriend at the time, and then and Ryan, my brother. And we were just pretty much just based around a little laptop. Um it wasn't on TV or anything like that, so I was just waiting for it to load, press and refresh every three or four seconds, and yeah, there I come. So um, it was bit, it was a, it was a relief because I kind of in my head I thought I was going to get drafted. Yeah. Um, you know, so you kind of had. We well, had clubs talking to you. Yeah, had clubs talking. You know, going to sort of meetings and whatnot, and thought that you know that they used to tell me that yeah, look, if you're there around like fifties to seventies, you know, we'll um, we'll pick you up, and then you know names just kept going, kept going, kept going, and then. Um, yeah, there was nothing. So I was pretty disappointed. So when my name did get called out, and it was just more relief, and you know, finally I've just got given a chance, and that was kind of yeah, where it all started. The rookie draft was a week after. No, it was, it was about a month. A month. Yeah, so it was, it was a month it was of December then sitting the second, around. I think it was. It was a horrible month. And in, in the meantime, I was going to different clubs and training, and yeah. doing time trials, and you know, all, all that testing stuff, which no nobody likes. Nah. But so he was constantly doing that and trying to imp- you know impress people, impress people. You know, going into having conversations and trying to impress that way. So it was, yeah, it was a stressful month. I guess you probably can't exactly speak for them, but, you know, these people that do that fight for five years, they VFL and then they go test, test, test. Like, could you could you actually see yourself doing that for five years? Like, I, I, yeah, I don't reckon I don't reckon I could. Like, it'd be different, obviously, because I got the chance and I got drafted straight away. Yeah. So if I didn't, I, I, I don't know. You may have gone. I may. I, yeah, I may have just gone, no, I want this really badly. But, yeah, I don't know how, people, how people go from to five years to keep doing it consistently. It's it's a credit to them because a lot of them, you know, a lot of them, when they get that opportunity, they go really well yeah. because they're just they're itching for it. Yeah. Uh, so North Melbourne uh, became the new home. You, you very quickly got over Collingwood. I did. I did actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old man, I uh, kind of got over Collingwood, but always had a little soft spot for him. But yeah. he'd come in the chamber with the kangaroo scarf on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they became your most hated, or close to your most hated. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I guess when I first started, well, 2010-11, like Collingwood was kind of at their peaks, and you know they had some. Dumb players yeah. and they were pretty arrogant the way they went about it. So I was thinking, I'll follow these blokes now and they're giving me yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously still a good soft spot for them. Um, so round two, 2013, Rising Star nominee, expected or no, not expected, but that's definitely the wrong word. What did that feel like for you? Because you'd actually made it and you'd actually been noticed now for the first time and it's a... a competition award what did that feel like um yeah i guess that that was my first kind of taste of maybe i do belong at this level um my first couple of years i i know my first year i played the last three games but still questioning whether i'm good enough um it wasn't until that you know that sort of year that first game then that round two against geelong that i you know i, I felt like yeah shit maybe i do belong here so that was game. So you just scraped in that year to the, be able to win that eligible because that was your tenth game against Collingwood. That's, yeah, yeah. So I'm reading the stats now. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, you started off on fire. 22, 21, 26, 22 that year, and they were those they were your PBs. Oh, you graded Western Sydney the year before 26, but that probably doesn't count because they were yeah. a rebel back <laughs> yeah, then. Yeah. Um, now it'd be pretty good, but I mean, what was what was that? I guess that month of footy, not just that. Rising star, like you played against Collingwood, Geelong, Sydney in those three weeks, which are losses, and 
found your feet, I guess, at AFL level. Yeah, it was just the, the confidence that I had. Like I was, you know, and I kind of, when I talked to people about, you know, that year, the, the mindset was just like, I'm going into every game and I'm, I'm going to dominate, I'm going to have 20 touches, I'm going to, you know, run and kick goals. Um, it, it just it just happened. Yeah. And I just, I, I sort of built myself up in my head so much that when I went out there, it just, it just kind of worked. Um, where, you know, you kind of go back to the last couple of years, I was just second guessing everything that I did. So like I was just, you know, I would go out to a game and I would just be, I felt lost. Yeah. Um, where in your first couple of years, you kind of just go, just go play footy. You're a young kid, just go play footy and enjoy it. Um, and then obviously when you get a bit older, expectations start changing and a few things start changing a little bit. So you start, for me anyway, um, but that, I just remember that year just enjoying my footy so much. Yeah. Enjoying everything. Life was, you know, going really well outside of football and everything was just clicking. Uh, when did you, what year did you meet Ellie? Uh, that year, so yeah, so we were together that, that year. Just yeah, just coming yeah, pre-season of that. Yeah, that's right. But but in saying that, like that was your third pre-season or two and a half pre-seasons of footy. Yeah, I, I'm guessing you worked bail off for two and a half years, and that's what I tried to get like, the information out of Sam right. But yeah, so if he's yeah. listening, check yeah. your, check your Instagram, your yeah. boss. Um, but you know, I can only imagine you're working your backside off for those two and a half years that got you to that point. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, coming in as a as a rookie, you've got to do those things. Um, like I had some really strong conversations early of what sort of hard work looks like. Um, and and as a rookie, you just want to be noticed. So I'd always try to be first out in the track. I'd always try to be last to leave. I'd always try to get the coach's eyes. And it was just little things that obviously kind of impressed too. But shit, it made me a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they would always. There's always everyone's got negatives, but I was, at the start, I was just, just focused on your positives, and it was always focused on your kicking. So I did so much kicking and. Things like that. Yeah, I wasn't great one on one and, and defensively it wasn't that's probably more, like my room to improve. But yeah, we'd work on that, but at the same time, here's your strengths. Yeah. You know, work on them even more so. Yeah. And I guess that's everyone sees and looks at the going that's probably when you start getting messages off it off people you may have never heard of or yeah. heard from from you for years is when you start going, Well, I guess what people don't see is that wasn't just two and a half years of hard work, that was five 10 years of hard work, like you made a big decision to leave the club that all your mates were at because you believed in yourself. Um, and then you put yourself through a, a couple of grueling pre-seasons and didn't give up. Probably when at times you thought, like no doubt at some stage, there probably was doubt going, I'm, maybe I'm not good enough for AFL, maybe I'm just going to be a good VFL player. Yeah. Um, so like full credit to you for, for working hard and coming from a 15-year-old little midget um, to, to getting that. Now... The next thing I, I guess I want to talk about is, you know, how was North Melbourne? How was that as a club? I know you still got some really close mates that play there and, and have moved on, obviously, as well. Like, what was that like as a place to be at? No, I loved North Melbourne. I loved every, every second of it. Um, we were super tight. There was a lot of young kids, probably, I don't know, I reckon there would have been maybe 15 of us from 18 to 22 that were just super tight. Um, we all lived so close to each other, so we'd always just go out, um, cafes, whatever. Um, so I, I reckon I grew maybe two or three super close mates, you know, within the first year or two. Yeah. Um, Sam Wright being the one where, you know, he was a couple of years older, um, but, you know, I moved in with him after I had my house. Um, I, um, my, I had, had a mum, so like a... A foster mum. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a foster mum that sort of gets you in. Um, and then from there, went yeah, moved in with Sam Wright, and um, but I, I loved my time there. I had I was fortunate enough to be with some of the North Melbourne greats, you know, Boomer Harvey, Brady Rawlings, Ferrito, Petrie, yeah, folks that you just you idolise and you, you see how they train. You go far out, like that's that's how you're supposed to train. Yeah, you, yeah. You coming as a junior, you think you know, oh, I'm a pretty hard trainer, and then you go, nah, like I'm nowhere, <laughs> nowhere near it, like, yeah. absolutely nowhere near it. And these blokes, and then you just find. A few little things that they do that you like, you know, Boom might, might do this, oh, okay, I'll, I'll copy that, you know, Drew does this, and you kind of just sort of take what you want, yeah. and then put it into yourself, into your and own game. it makes, yeah, made me a lot better. What, what was, what was it like, as you, I mean, that, that 2013, you said everything was flying, um, for you, just looking at, um, 2014, 20 games, Roughly 17 games that year, um, and then 2015 things dropped off. Yeah. Um, injuries. Yeah, shoulders. Shoulders come into play then. So I had back-to-back shoulder recos in a 14, 
and then a 15. Oh, and well, actually, the 15 mile was kind of in the middle of pre-season, um, which are, you know, obviously a few months um, recovery time. Um, and when you're a skinny bloke like me, when you, unfortunately, when you get a shoulder reco, you lose a lot of weight and a lot of strength. And yeah, it didn't really work well with me. Yeah, I got super fit because you can run. Yeah. But, you know, trying to be a defender and you're playing on the small forwards of like Riolis and things like that, you, you need every bit of strength you can get and got caught out a little bit. Yeah. Before I touch on who you played against and tough opponents and stuff like that, what was it like for those first four or five years? Because it is a sort of mental health podcast. What was that like mentally for you? Like, young kid thrown into the limelight. Um, some will thrive, obviously, and, and build off that, and it sounds like he did that in part. What was it like behind closed doors and off, off the football track through that period of time, that first five years? Yeah, I didn't have any issues um, mentally. Um, everything was going pretty, like, pretty smoothly. Um, you know, I got told, um, you know, no matter how good you're going, you know, don't read comments, you know, even when you're going bad, obviously don't read comments, um, which, you know, yeah, you do. Yeah. When you're going pretty well, you kind of flip through Facebook and sort of see your name a little bit and it's, you know, everyone would would have done it to an extent. Um, but yeah, like everything was going well. So mentally, you know, I was obviously as young, I was enjoying life. I was playing good footy. I didn't really have any, any complaints at all. Um, what about through the injuries? Did that, how was that? Was that just like, yep, I've, I'll, I'll keep working away at this? Because you, you just played two and a half years of good footy, it'd be like, shit, I've got to sort of start, restart, but also at the same time, you're probably young enough and you're like, I can get back. Yeah, the, the first one was, I'm young, I'll get back, it's fine. And then I struggled that year and then I had another one the following year and I was out of contract and that's when I sort of go, hang on a sec, if this doesn't get better or... I'd come back and have another poor year. Um, I, I could be out or be up for trade. Um, so I was, yeah, I struggled a little bit, and even to a point where you know I was asking wow. manager, go, can you just ask kind of where I'm at with things like that? And I was fortunate wow. to get another, I think another two years, um, you know, while I was still recovering from my yep. shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And so that would take you up to 2016, 17, and then. Oh, let's talk about your time in North Melbourne. Who were, who was sort of the best players you played with, and like maybe not so much the obvious ones that we see in the public eye, but yeah. those they maybe these underachievers, I guess, in the outside world. Who who were those guys that? Um, well, I mean, obviously the obvious one was, and everyone gets everyone talks about Boomer Harvey in the way how he's just an ultimate professional. Um, he's he was number one. Um, the Drew Petries. Um, you see him and you think he's the nicest bloke ever and, and people love him outside of it. But at training, if you're you're playing on him, like he, he doesn't give a shit who you are. Yeah. He, he would push you, fight, scrag, like he you know, he he would almost turn into a different person on the field. Yeah. Um so he, he would and then, you know, even if you did play with him, he'll straight after the whistle blows would come up, sorry mate, you know, apologise for what yeah. you kinda of did. Like it was just it was <laughs> it was weird. Um, we did his pool and he is so nice. He, like, yeah, he's he is. Like, yeah, nice. like he's almost too nice. Yeah, but yeah. obviously he flicks. He, yeah, he can, he can flip the switch. Um, Sam Gibson, from yeah. who was there for a couple of years. Um, I think he might have played 130 odd games straight. Yeah. Come as as a rookie, um, just mentally like it. Just knew he was just super fit and would just make sure he, he won every running contest, no, no matter what. Um, so the way the way he trained, um, he's the one that probably stood out to most. And he obviously wasn't a massive name, but 130 games straight as a rookie, it kind of speaks volumes of what the club thought of him and how he trained. Yeah, and that that comes down to how hard he works because he's got a name and yeah. um, stuff like that. Toughest opponent, and how was the week leading up to that, knowing you you may have been playing on them? Um, Cereolis, yeah, um, probably number one. Um, I, I remember. I remember going through vision with our line coach, that offensive coach at the time, and um, I think the, the week before he might have kicked four or five, and to some of the tricks he was doing to sort of remove the defender, I was just looking back and I was thinking, if he does any of these to me, I'm, I'm, I'm toast. Like, and then and you think about it, looking back at it now, like I remember going, you don't want to be embarrassed. Like, yeah. You don't want him to like, make you look that stupid, you know, playing at the MCG. Hawks fans like love him whenever he gets a ball. It's you know like it's, it's everyone's waiting for him to do something special. So I just remember thinking, just don't embarrass me, don't embarrass me, and I, and, and I end up going okay. But 
Um, I think he might have kept him to 11, 12 touches, but he kicks three and, and gets like, yeah, second best on or something. So you, you actually think you've, oh, not too bad. He got a few goals, but he hasn't had, hasn't had a massive impact. Yeah. But he obviously does. In your head, he didn't, I didn't feel like he had a massive impact. You're stopping him at the ball. Yeah. But he's just stopping get the ball. Makes the most of That's right. And then every time he touches the ball, they score. So, yeah. Um, but he, he was definitely the hardest. Um, Steve Johnson at times, you know, like it's, it's people like that that just, you get scared because you're just thinking if you keep them quiet for three three quarters or a half, but you know they can kick three and a quarter. Yeah. And, you know, you switch off for five minutes. That's right. So mentally you've just got to be switched on for the whole game. Was there any sleepless nights with certain players or was that okay, that certain time? No, time? I, wasn't, I wasn't too bad. I kind of, I, I did, early days I found ways to switch off, whether it was, you know, I didn't like, sometimes I didn't like watching footy the night before because I would just sort of build it up in my head so much that I tried to find, you know, watch a movie or, PlayStation was probably the best for footy players. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's why so many can play because it's an outlet. And they're good at it yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, and they're good because there's so much downtime. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of them go a lot of them go to uni or whatever, but when you've got downtime, you don't want to be sitting on the couch all day just thinking about training the next day or footy, so PlayStation's perfect for getting your mind off it. So eighty five games, thirty one goals, uh, at North Melbourne. Um, what was it like? Knowing your time was coming, did you know it was coming? Um, yeah, kind of. I, I knew I, I was trying to get another year out of North Melbourne. Um, wanted to play 100 games at North Melbourne, get my name on the locker, father, son, and all that. And I thought I, I could have easily done that. And I, I thought that year that I had that I got delisted was almost one of my best years at North Melbourne. Yeah. So it, it was it was a surprise, um, and I was angry at North Melbourne for. Yeah, a whole year, kind of until I sort of finished up playing footy. Um, now I'm starting to follow North Melbourne and obviously all my mates are still there. But at that point, I was, yeah, it was a, I kind of hated them for getting rid of me. Yeah. Because um, I felt like I still had plenty to give at that footy club and um, was still young enough to, to have an impact and improve. What was the conversation like when you were told there's no contract? Like, was there... Yeah, let's talk about the, I guess, the mental health side of things with that. Like, you've just been told you haven't got a job. Yeah. Did they look after you after that, or is it literally like, shut the door, we've got to focus on the next person that's coming in, or...? Um, with, with the football department, yeah, it is. Yeah. So we obviously had, you had the sports psychs and, and whatnot at, at the footy club and welfare managers, that they, you know, the, the footy ops would just be like, Brad Scott, um, the head recruiters would be like, look, we're not going with you. Yeah. Close the door. That's probably the last you know that they'll sort of talk about. Yeah, they'll move on to the next person who's potentially getting delisted or trading, or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of de- you know de- deal with the welfare managers and. But they do have that system in place so yeah. that you can yeah yeah they do look after yourself yeah. Um, you know, I think that's important. Like AFL is a job, and you're getting paid to do it. It's it's stressful. There's all that stuff to it. So I think it's really important that all businesses have something in place like that. Like you can't yeah. just give someone the flick and then. And you, I guess we'll probably talk about what happens once you leave Carlton and stuff, but um, what was the process like going from North to Carlton? Um, you know, I remember you at the time and you were quite stressed. You, you weren't enjoying your footy and it was probably because of the resentment that you'd just been delisted. Yeah. So what was it like? You know, Was there thought of just stopping playing AFL? Or? Yeah, it was, I, was super, I was super close to just calling it, calling it quits. Um, and kind of, I don't know, I guess looking back on it, um, I, I thought going to another club was the spark I needed. Yeah. And I thought, I oh, actually know, you know what? Like when Carlton sort of come knocking, I was like, oh, beautiful. This is this is the spark I needed. But um, kind of halfway through the preseason, I got I went straight back to that slump where I was just like, oh, you know, struggling to get out of bed for footy and meetings were just like, I, you know, I just couldn't be bothered for meetings and just anything to do with footy. I just kind of was a bit over it all. Yeah. Um, Can you pinpoint what made you over it? Was it was it a combination of, of everything, or was it a, it was it I guess the way not the way you were delisted, but was it the delisting, or was it the fact that everything was getting uh, too much? I reckon it was everything, but it was probably the the couple of years building into my um, delisting from North. Um, started suffering super bad anxiety before games. Um, our, our team reviews like I wouldn't eat before. Um, in the morning, wouldn't eat before uh, for lunch, day of review because of just past experiences. And I, so I reckon I, game day was just like it, it generally was a job, 
Yeah. I, I didn't look forward to game day those last couple of years. Like the, the thought of getting up to play footy um, when I, I was sitting on the couch at home was, was super tough. Um, and then by the time the game started, I was you'd already I was played. Knackered. It. Yeah, I, I was I was knackered there. Yeah. And I guess that's that's anxiety to a T. You, you're basically burning energy, and that's what you're doing by sitting on the couch. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it just it sums up anxiety to a T. Really, you're burning what you're wasting energy, and then you can't do whatever it is you're meant to do, and yeah. people do it. I guess this this is a question that I wouldn't personally ask because I understand it, but I think other people would understand it. But you're getting so much money to do this. Yeah. Can't you just sort of go out there and play? Like, what would we say to that? Because I know what I would tell I'd a person to get fucked personally, yeah, yeah. like that, but I'm not, that's yeah. not going to ever be asked to me. Yeah. You, I used to, yeah. I remember even sometimes talking to my brother Ryan, who's, you know, he, he was a massive support and mentor for me. But times when I, I told him that I, I want to retire and I, I don't enjoy playing footy, he, he didn't get that because, yeah. and he didn't get it for ages because he, he wanted to play AFL so much. And he was the ultimate professional, you know, like the, the best AFL player, I think, ever. you know, ever. Potentially, yeah. So in, in his head, he didn't understand it. My mum didn't understand it. Dad didn't understand it. When I sort of come to him and go, I'm, I'm not enjoying footy at all. I'm suffering a little bit of anxiety. I've built up the game way too much in my head to a point where I just don't enjoy it. And the, and the thought of playing was just, it was the worst. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't understand. And then, as you said before, you get friends and things like that say, oh, how's footy? And if you actually be honest and go, oh, you know, it's, yeah, like it, it's, it is what it is. I'm not loving it, rah, rah. They go, oh, fuck it, you know, how, how would you like to, you know, be concreting or something, yeah. you know, five days a week? And sometimes I'd be like, oh, I wouldn't mind that at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I generally wouldn't mind that. Um, so that's where it sort of come to. What did you do to sort of get through that? What, what were you, I mean, your coping mechanisms... If there wasn't, and you battled that right to the end of the footy career, which I think you did, yeah. like what would you look back and say, maybe this would have helped or, or whatnot? Because I know you were playing golf, you were playing PlayStation, so you still had some outlets. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. what else would you maybe do if you had your time again? Um, I guess probably talk to someone earlier. We had sports psychs, and obviously sports psychs, there, you, you want to be able to trust them and you want to be able to have a connection with them. This is any psych in general. I guess when you have one just who's purely North Melbourne, um, I, I, I wish I kind of ventured out and, and chose one for me. Yeah. So I just didn't feel comfortable with him. So I, the, the thought of even talking to him, I was like, oh, I'm not even going to bother. Don't worry about it. Months go by, months go by. You start building it up. And then it kind of got to a point where it was a little bit too late. Yeah. Um, you know, career, career's done. So looking back on it now, I kind of wish I went down that avenue because I know a lot of AFL players doing it. And even at the start, you hear, when I'm my first few years, you hear about people going to see him and you think, oh, what's wrong with them? Yeah. But it's purely, some of it's even to, to make them a better footy player. Yeah. You know, they, they, they find tools to switch off. And that, that's what I needed. So looking back on it now, I wish I kind of went down that avenue earlier. That's a, a really important message, not just for, I guess, AFL players, but for anyone. Like, if there is something that's crippling you, then to go and... It is. It's just finding tools for your tool belt so you can switch off from whatever it is. Now, people that run businesses have the exact same anxiety and then they wake up one day i've met a lot of 50 year olds who wake up one day and quit and never want to work again yeah. and it's like well maybe five ten twenty years ago you put something in place where you switched off from work yeah that's right um and it might it might be that you work out that you don't want to be in business and be a business owner yourself but i think it's really important that you find those tools that help you and obviously sometimes the sports like at the club which is employed in no sport and all of that they still might not be the person for you, so sometimes you do need to yeah. find someone that is right for you. So that's a good message. Um, Carlton, what was it like? Uh, Brent, yeah, Bolton? Bolton, yeah. I mean, he's a jovial fella in uh, the media. What was yeah. it like? Uh, it was, yeah, pretty serious. I think when you're, you're battling a little bit as a club, um, you know, the pressure starts to build. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, yeah, I... I kind of felt that day one as I walked through the door, everyone's kind of stepped on eggshells and people were kind of putting people down to sort of make themselves look a bit better. Because when you're at the bottom, um, everyone's trying to play ones, you know, they're kind of, they were kind of doing everything there. Dog eat dog world. Yeah, it kind of was a little bit. Coming from North Melbourne where, you know, previous years kind of back-to-back prelims and it was just, you know, purely team-based. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, saw a little bit of a couple of cracks opening up, that's for sure. Um, and I guess how is that? You, you've come across as a, as a recruit. Yeah. In essence, how did that, you know, the pressure for you? Because you, you spoke about earlier about the pressure in terms of, might have been even off, 
of uh, off air, but you talked about the pressure and the expectation that came with that. Like you, you were drafted, you were recruited. Yes, yeah. you were delisted from another club, but what was that expectation like you internally for yourself, but then also externally around with the players and, and the media and the rest of it? Because you look at Carlton for through those years and they were rabble, they were basket case at yeah. times. You're a recruit. It's like, oh, he's going to help us yeah. change. Yeah, it was, it was a different one because of the delisted free agent. My confidence has already just been absolutely shot, knowing that another club didn't want me. Now and then I'm going, all oh, am I good enough? Or, you know, like I was getting to 27, I think I was 26, 27, going, oh, you know, maybe the young kids are just going to be better than me, you know, maybe I'm just kind of, that, that's it for me. Yeah. Um, so coming to Calder and I, I knew that it, I was going to be Mr. Fixer, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I was I was refreshed, and it's uh, they offered me kind of a new role. I was going to play wing, maybe a little bit forward, pinch half back. So everything was just like beautiful, you know. I'm, I'm so over playing half back. I look at myself as a half forward winger. I always have. Um, now I might be able to get my shot to play forward. Um, probably first two or three weeks, Sam Doherty goes down, does the ACL. Yeah. Straight back to half Straight back, back, you know. And then I'm on the left footer. Simpson's the left footer. We kind of Try to go for the same ball. Obviously, Simpson, hands down, he you know he's he gets the ball. Yeah. Um, so I kind of struggled to find avenues to get the ball and make an impact. Yeah. Well, I mean, your stats weren't that bad that year. There's a couple of off games, but you were. Well, if you look at your stat sheet, yeah, you were serviceable. Yeah. Um, then, but that was it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, I think my first couple of games, I think I had thirty, maybe against Gold Coast, and I was I was playing wing, so I was thinking, how good is this? I was just, I, I was enjoying footy early days at, at Carlton because you know it was a role that was new to me. I really wanted to go well as a winger. Thought like I had, you know, a bit of left, uh, good footy left in me. Um, but then yeah, it started changing. Went back down to half back. We're getting, we only won one game for the year, so you can imagine, you know, your bad games when you lose every week. Um, they, you know, stand they, out. they stand out. They stand out. You yeah. know, where if you go to a, a club that's you're winning and you have a couple of bad games, you kind of just cruise over them. Yeah. So every bad game for me, I felt like I was just one step closer to just getting getting the boot, and that's that's how I started playing a little bit. Started playing safe and just, I, you know, it wasn't I wasn't playing footy on instinct. I was just kind of just second guessing myself a little bit, knowing that you know I'm a couple of bad games of being delisted that's, and that's how I played my footy through Kelton it's, it's a horrible way to play but at the time that's how I did it you'd say a lot of players play like that and even when they first start their careers they don't play on instinct they play on I need to get a contract I need to get an extension I need to do you think a lot of younger players get fall into that trap as yeah, well as, as well as older do, yeah absolutely yeah. Um, yeah so your advice would be to sort of back your ability you, you got to, yeah you, you just got to you got to play to your strengths and, and coaches don't take away your strength. There's no, you know, they, they want you to play yeah. well. There's no doubt about that. They've got so well, many coaches. It's better for them. Yeah, it's better for them. But in your head, you know, you, you know, yeah, I might kick the ball well, but if I don't defend well today or, you know, do a couple of shit efforts, you're out. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's 20 other blokes trying to get your spot that, that are playing too. So it's, it's, it's literally, if you're, you know, a fringe player like me, it might come down to a contest. It might come down to, you know, a bloke kicking a couple of goals and you know, that's how close it is when you're a fringe player to right, oh, you're out, let's get someone else in that and give him a go. Well there's probably gonna be a couple of guys from Wilbur that are at Eastern Rangers now that are really good under eighteen players. I mean what would your advice be to them if they made it into the system? You know, straight away what what's a fight? like obviously they're gonna focus on their fitness and their skills and all of this stuff which makes them very footy players, but what about off field? Like what would you go back and maybe do a little bit different or offer them? Yeah, to do? You, uh, you've, you've gotta have you have to have an outlet, you've gotta find you've got to find a hobby. Whether that's even going to uni or whatever. The worst thing I reckon you can do is sit sit at home on your days off, you know, go out for a maybe go out for a latte or have have brekkie somewhere and then go straight back home, sit on your ass all day. It's I reckon to people that've got always got something going that kind of do do better at, at footy because um, they're not just purely focused on football. There's always something else, and footy just happens for them. Yeah. Where I felt like I'd I'd go home and you know I'd always say we go to a mate's house. I, I was too focused on what I was eating. You yeah. Know, knowing that I got training the next day, whether oh if I have this I might be a little bit flat tomorrow. Where really it's a bit ridiculous thinking that. But, yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't eating macas or anything. Yeah. You. Just a little something a little bit different. That's right, and yeah. I just you know in my head I was just thinking, oh, if I if I do this, it's going to affect my training, or I'm going to feel flat, or yeah. So I guess just enjoy, you know, you, you've got to have a balance. You have to have a balance. 
And I guess, I mean, COVID, as we speak, probably going to change AFL for the next 10, 15 years where it's, money's not going to be there and they're probably going to have to push people into working. I mean, there's already talk about players working part-time as well. Like, so that, well, do you think that's actually going to help them? Well, I mean, yeah, potentially. Well, it, it's, yeah, there's so much unknown. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to answer, answer that question because some will go really well. Yeah. Some will kick up a stink and go, how, how bad is our life? Yes. Yeah. You know, in, in AFL's head, sometimes that's, that's going to happen, you know. Um, a lot of them aren't enjoying footy as it is, let alone, you know, now they've got to buckle up, go to work and, you know, come back and play. Um, but I, I reckon as a, you know, less coaches, all that stuff, I think the boys are going to be able to enjoy just playing bit footy. Of flair. A bit more flair. Yeah, a bit more flair, yeah. Yeah. So, Percentage-wise, this is probably really hard to answer. I sort of just thought about this thing. Percentage-wise, how many blokes on a list of 45 wouldn't be enjoying their football? Oh, you'd probably get, I reckon, maybe 15. There'd, which, there'd be a few. Which is about a third of the blokes that just aren't enjoying. Yeah. And, it's, I mean, we look outside world, I hate using that term, but, I mean, you're, you're in the outside world now with a job and stuff like that. That's probably about the same percentage as what you'd find at a job site. Yeah, for sure. A lot of the blokes yeah. love going to work. Yeah, yeah. But there's some that don't. Some, so yeah. it's... it's it, just because I, they're playing AFL doesn't mean they're happy or yeah. in a great place. Now, you've probably got close mates who have suffered depression and anxiety at a more heightened level than you yeah. at the club. What, what does that look like in the AFL club? Because they can't speak up necessarily yeah, because of social media. What, I mean, what's that like knowing that whatever you say and do could be on a paper the next yeah, day? Yeah, that's right. Well, that's, that's people, they bottle it up until it gets out of control and something happens, you know. Like, I don't know how that looks, but... Um, you know, a lot of lot of blokes at AFL level, we don't sit down and talk about that, unfortunately. And it's just something that just doesn't really happen, which it needs to change. And I get that right now; it, it is changing because yeah. a lot more people are talking about it, and it's it's in everyone's face. But footy clubs, you know, there's a lot of they, they're men, and you know, so they don't. Sometimes they don't sit down and, and go, "Oh, mate, I'm, I'm struggling." Yeah, you, you do see it a bit, and it started to change. I reckon probably the last five or six years, it started to change. Um, but sometimes it gets to a point where blokes bottle up and it gets too much for them. And it's not even the severe cases like we've seen in the last couple of years. Like, you're a perfect example. Like, I mean, your anxiety was crippling, but, I mean, you'd probably agree that there's uh, guys out there, not I won't say worse because I hate comparing, but there was other guys probably more vulnerable to being in a more dangerous level. Yeah. And But it's still just important for you to actually... Go and say, look, up to a mate, I'm really struggling. Can we just talk about what I'm struggling about? Because yeah. you got you got blokes playing footy who might be in the exact same position. Yeah. You, know, you for example, Sam might one of your best friends at ten eight years ago. You might have said, "Oh, I'm really struggling with anxiety." And he might turn around and go, "Fuck, so am I." Yeah. And then you can obviously work yeah, it something that's, together. Yeah, that's right. And if I have a time again, I would have done something like that because it is so it's so easy to do, mm-hmm. um, and so much people can relate. Um, but at the time, I, I thought it was so little. Yeah. I just thought, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's, it's a little bit of anxiety I'll, I'll manage, you know, I'll find a way through. But just one conversation could have led to another and, you know, everything, everything could have been so much more easier. Yeah, it would be hard to talk about motives, but it could have made you play better for yeah, you. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. where if you're a better state of mind, you know, yeah. you've, I mean, you just mentioned it, you know, you were overthinking things and you were burnt out for a game. Like, if you already played a game in your head before you played it... yeah. Cool. Find tools to you know be able to that. So, what I mean, leaving Carlton, from what I remember speaking to you, it was you, you kind of were glad you were out. Yeah, which I, is I was, which yeah. is for an outsider, like oh, you've just thrown away. I don't know what money you're on, but minimum hundred thousand dollars a year. You're going to go work at an art union for eighty, ninety. That like you're throwing away. Why would you want that? Just the I don't know. It was just the thought of. Been, been, I guess I'll say normal for it. It was so exciting to me. Yeah. I was like, I just cannot wait to have my weekends back. You know, I just I can't wait to kind of just have beers whenever I want. You know, come home, have a couple of beers. I just, yeah, I was, I was just so done in that footy lifestyle. I was just so ready to just start my life with Ali and potentially start family and yeah. move down back down in the suburbs and, you know, interact with all my, all my friends that I kind of haven't you know yeah, to, an extent, to an extent for you know eight years yeah i was just so excited and it just felt like yeah everything sort of off my shoulders at once it's just, i was just, i was so happy and i can easily say right now like it's the happiest i've ever been you know in since i can remember yeah you know, right now so which is i mean which is fantastic um that's too we're probably 
20 months after you've been delisted from Carlton, mm-hmm. you've changed that dramatically in 20 months yeah. by just like, and you're working five days a week, as we talked about before. Yeah, yeah. We got on here, you traipsed around in mud yeah, yeah. Um, every day, which doesn't happen in the AFL. No. Um, but yeah, happy. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, I, yeah I, I guess it was just, I wanted to have a job where I can just go to work and then once it hits, you know, 2, 3, 3 o'clock, I don't think about it again. Yeah. That, that was purely, you know, what I wanted and a trade, it's, it's perfect. You're not running your own business. You can just go to work and you're done. Um, I got offered a lot of jobs, you know, sort of sales, um, real estate, all that stuff. But you kind of still, after hours, you kind of working hard yeah, to interact with people and impress yeah. people and whatnot. And I was just, I was just done with that. And there would have been, I'm guessing, there would have been more money in that, yeah. in those offers as well. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. in the yeah. end, it doesn't come down to. It didn't come down to that at all. Like obviously, footy's been super great financially for me. Um, you know, I bought a house in Flemington when I was 21. Yeah. Sold that, did really well, and, and happened to, you know, lucky enough, Ali and I bought this with potentially our family home. But she's, she's worked the whole time as she's well. She's worked so, the whole time. Yeah. Um, so footy's been super, yeah, um, for us. And then it, it put me in a position where I could actually go out and just start doing apprenticeship because financially, you know, it would be okay. Yeah. Um, so in turn, footy's just been, yeah, it, it's been amazing for us. There's no doubt about that. But there's a lot of players... And this is probably irrelevant to what to you, but there's a lot of players out there that spend all that money through the AFL and aren't set up, and then yeah. then they go into a job they don't want to do, and that's where I guess you find problems post footy for a lot of these players, where you found something. Yes, it's less money, but you enjoy it. Yeah, um, yeah. You see people, you know, still to this day live paycheck to paycheck. You know, with footy they might go over to Vegas and do a big America trip or Europe trip during the break and spend, you know, 30, 40 K yeah. and all of a sudden their savings for that year's, year's gone. gone. And then, you know, you're wanting to get away from not being offered a contract. Like you're flirting, you're flirting a little bit there. Yeah. Um, but as a young player or even a, even a mid-age player, you still think it can last forever at times and it's until it sort of fucking goes bang and, and gets away from you, then all of a sudden blokes are going, shit, I haven't, I haven't done anything outside of footy, yeah. I haven't done this, I haven't done that. That's when the pressure starts to really rise. I mean, there's lots of talk at the moment about trying to work the American system where they have to go have to go certain way, certain way at school and stuff. Do you think maybe not that going down that path, the NBA type system? But do you think maybe all players and are they may be doing it now? They have to do a uni degree or they have to do something. Yeah work-wise outside, do you think it has yeah. to be compulsory or you don't yeah. play? No, yeah, it, it is compulsory. It, it is. But whether they coach it well enough um, and hold people accountable yeah. is, is a different story. Carlton was, that they were right on it. North Melbourne, they were, but it was pretty patchy. Yeah. You could still get away with a couple of years not doing anything at yeah, all. Yeah, just let it float. And, you know what I mean? You might even, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, I'm doing this, doing this, but they actually wouldn't hold you accountable and maybe call up the organisation and yeah. sort of follow it up. But Carlton was like, no, nah, you've, you've got to do this. You know, show me the details. So Carlton will will right on top of that. So they'll set people up for well after footy because they're, yeah, they're no right. good at footy. But well, yeah, they've got, some, <laughs> they've got that going for them. There. Um, so yeah, you know, the last eighteen months. Um, yeah, what's that been like in terms of? I know there's lots of contract talks in terms of what local club you'd go to, and you would have left AFL then been off a contract straight away. Like yeah. Is it just about just telling them to piss off for a little while so you could just... Yeah, I, I just needed, yeah, needed a bit of me time, really. And even the thought about footy and going going to a local footy club and just talking footy was just like, oh, it was cringing me. Like, I just couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah. Um, and I understand footy clubs, you know, they, they've got salary caps, they're talking to other players and whatnot, and they'll get a bit pushy. I said, oh, well, just, you got to relax because I'm not ready at all. And a lot of clubs are good. Some were just a little bit too pushy and then I just said oh well, forget about it to a lot of clubs but and, and is this in a, this is this might sound like a knock but the kid I grew up knowing it wasn't a, a leader but I've seen you in the last couple of months or not the last couple over this pre-season and more just the way you talk about football and the way you talk to the players you actually and you would think you're a natural born leader but you, you weren't a natural born leader you're a good player who's listened and clearly developed like yeah. what's that like now as assistant coach of a local club like because I could I can safely say and you could probably say 10 years ago you wouldn't have thought you'd been a coach yeah no not at all and then even in terms of footy knowledge I, like I, I know what works and 
you know, training drills and all that stuff. But I, I'd never at North Melbourne would get in front of the group and, mm. and speak up. Yeah. I'd always be the one in, even in team reviews, you know, I'd be that long in my chair hoping I don't get asked a question. <laughs> and that, that, and that's, that's what it was like. So obviously at the start when, you know, potentially I, I said to Brett Lavers and I'm like, I want to be out, I want to coach too and, and, and push myself that way. Um, you know, the first three or four sessions, yeah, I, I was super, it was daunting. It yeah. was because, you know, you've got sort of 40 blokes looking at you going, oh, he's, he's an AFL player, yeah. he's going to be able to speak so well and do this and that. I, yeah, I was battling a bit. But, but little, little do they know, you actually have never been that bright. And I guess nah. the people that know you well yeah. would know well, this isn't the as of it. Sort of, yeah, you know, yeah, you are a pretty naturally yeah. reserved person. So, but I, I guess that, and like, that's a, I guess my compliment to you is like you've obviously listened, you've actually taken in as much as you could at, at that level, yeah, and brought it back, and now you're helping a lot of kids yeah. develop their games. Like there's some really talented kids at Moorbuck who are going to really benefit from you know the stuff that you learn yeah. through there. So like that's that is fantastic to see. And, um, how do you enjoy your football now? Um, I, I I do enjoy it. I don't I don't jump out of me out of me bed to play on Saturday. I, I still don't. Yeah. Um, but I, I just enjoy being around the boys, and there's just obviously a lot less pressure. I can just go out and play. Um, so I, I do enjoy it. But still, has its times where I'm just like, why? You know, I, I, why? You know, I can't be bothered or or whatever it is. Um, but I guess coaching keeps me a bit lot more yeah, interactive with different, it. Different, different yeah, sides. Yeah, and, it. and it's super rewarding. It is, you know, and you get people coming up to you asking questions, and you know, you sort of give them, and you see them start improving a little yeah. bit. It's like it's super rewarding. I guess that coaching sides, it's definitely keeping me involved a lot more with, with footy because um, I don't reckon if I was if I was coaching, if I wasn't coaching, I might just sort of rock up game day, just play, kind of nick off. Yeah. But now, like it, it makes you a bit more, a lot more invested. You have to. You have to show them the way still because yeah. you're still only 28. Yeah. So you, yeah. You, it's no, there's no real excuses yeah, to, to sort of slacken off. And yeah. You probably in uh, physically you're probably the shop, the biggest you've ever been yeah. <laughs> um, ever. So in terms of not fat, like yeah. in muscle, just make sure the listeners <laughs> are clear of that. He, he hasn't just put on the weight at 28. Um, also, he's been pretty good though. But a bit of fat down there, but <laughs> that's right. You run off. Well. You're getting 400s right. back out there. Yeah. Um, what, what's it like being in that full-time job now for you? Is it, I mean, um, there's shit days, obviously. Yeah, you have, yeah. It's like, it's, like, it's like any job. You have you have your shit days, you have your shit weeks. Um, but knowing that, you know, you can get home at an early day, three o'clock, and, and just switch off completely, um, It's for, for me, that's perfect. Um, I, look, I, I don't reckon I'm going to be a plumber forever. I just wanted to get a trade on my belt, mm. and then I might go on to something else yep. and the different avenues there, but... Yeah, at, at the time, I, just, I can't, still want to be around boys and, you know, still talk that shit with, with the fellows. So plumbing just, yeah. It just worked. It, it just worked, yeah. And I'm lucky enough to just kind of get a job and obviously it's commercial, so it's nice nice and clean work. I'm not, you know, underneath houses dealing with shit. Um, it's all, all super clean work and I, I do enjoy it, yeah. I guess a couple of things before I see if you've got anything that want to wrap it up. Social media is huge in all of our lives. Now, you don't have Facebook. No. You have Instagram and Twitter. Yep. Um, what, what's your advice? Because, I mean, you, you would have had it at an, a different level because you're you like getting critiqued yeah. on everything you do in AFL. But the, the way the world's working now is that everyone bags everyone on social media. Like, what's your advice to people? And, you know, how easy is it to stay off Facebook? Um, how easy it is, is it to stay away from your phone and Twitter and Instagram still, even because you've still got a social media account? Yeah. How easy is it? Because it, I even even I ban myself sometimes, and then I grab my phone to yeah. check it. Like, what's it like, and what's your advice based on that? Um, I, I guess in terms of you know being a bully or, or whatever it is, you know, because there's so many kids now that they think it's normal to be able to just start bagging people online. Um, but it's not until you actually see that stuff how much it affects you. And yeah, and a lot of people, like even myself, you think, oh, you sort of look at it and you have a laugh. Oh, you know, how's Mullet still in the team or you're doing this and that. You know, you might laugh about it with a few boys at the club going, oh, I haven't read this comment, but deep down, you start questioning yourself and, you know, people put in your head, well, shit, am I good enough? Yeah. Um, and you, and you, you feel shit out, you do. And no one wants to, you know, no one wants to go and see your name down there and people talking about it. Like, it's just, no one likes that at all. Mm. Um, 
So I guess for me, um, was, was staying clear from that. That's what Facebook was the worst one. So, you know, when I was had a few bad games, you'd go down to Facebook and you wouldn't be trying to search, you wouldn't be able to look, you wouldn't look for it. It would just pop up, yeah. you know, North Melbourne, oh, we lost, rah, rah. And then you, your first comments, you know, how's Mullen in this team, rah, rah. Well, we and it, it's all algorithms. Yeah. So your name is Aaron Mullen, you're attached to North Melbourne, so everything would naturally Yeah, yeah, that's through. right. Yeah. So, so. Um, I, I guess it is, it's, you need time away from your phone, and, and I wish that I, after a game, would just w- wouldn't look at it. You know, if I have my time again, I'll just I'll put it away for the night, not look at it one bit. Come in tomorrow, but unfortunately, human nature sometimes yeah. you just you pick up the phone, you quickly scroll. Oh, it's too late. It's two hours so later, and yeah, you still scroll. Yeah, all of a sudden, want to retire from football. Yeah, that, that's right. So <laughs> and you could have had a good game by your standards, but with all the talk, yeah, yeah. it's oh, I know that's right. I even. When I talk about it with people, sometimes it's like, okay, well, you're a concrete up. It's like me coming and watch you concrete, and then I will go home and I'll just bag the shit out of you about yeah. what, what you've done shit at work, you know? Like, it's it's kind of like that. Like, no one would like it. Yeah. No, So, no. It's, it's until it kind of happens to you, some people go, oh, shit, that's, you know, it's fucking horrible, but... Um, most memorable part of playing AFL? First, first game. Definitely the first game, and, and just having... Everyone that I loved there, and they were just so happy for me. Yeah. It, after the games, you know, hugging like hugging my brother and, and whatnot. And at that time, was was purely was there. Yeah, was the best moment of my career. Uh, do you think the, your most famous for the Eddie Beck's goal in the pocket? Which one? I can't remember. The one that you were <laughs> yeah. right there on. <laughs> I do. I do remember it. Um, I mean, how, how, how good was that being out there? Like, in all honesty, like. You, this goal kicked on your way as you go up around the night it's shit feeling but yeah. how good is it to actually see that see the, the thing is too like where he is and, and he kicked it you almost go oh well, you take that you know he might be centre or something like that yeah it's beautiful but he's generally had a shot of goal and kicked it and you just think there's nothing you can do like there's generally nothing you can yeah. do and you just and I, I remember I was I tried to smother it and I was just kind of looking back on the ground and I, you, you're amazed you are because you're just like how, how do you do that and the crowd's going nuts and you know, you actually get a little bit of goosebumps just watching it, knowing that he's kicked a goal on you. Yeah. And, he, and, you know, your team's obviously got a goal kicked against, but it's, yeah, you, you see stuff like that and you, you, you're amazed. You really are. Yeah, and because he, he does it a time and, and time again. Well, yeah, you, you just, you, you're another person that's yeah. been... Yeah. Um, now, now, another moment, chasing down Buddy. Yeah. That was a pretty good moment. Yeah, there, there was. Because you, was... you weren't known for your defensive side of your game nah, and your tackling. Nah, that's, so. Yeah, that's right. Um... Alright, that was my second year, so I would have only been 75 kilos trying to, and Buddy Franklin would have been probably 100. Yeah, that's right. And I remember just grabbing onto him and chasing him down, the crowd roaring. It was only a um, JLT match, my yeah. Um But it, it's little moments like that where you kind of look back on, and you know, at the moment, like it's making me smile now. Because yeah, at the is. time, I was like, how good's that? You know, you, sign, you get um, all these messages sent to you from all your mates back home, and you know, if, if you tackled Buddy Franklin and chased down, you know, it was, yeah, it was pretty special. Um, but, you know, in scheming things, it was still a JRT and it was pretty small and there was bigger fish to fry, but for that, that little moment, yeah, it was yeah. special. Well, last, last question from me. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll go two questions. This is a tough one. Who's, who is actually better at footy? You or Ryan? Uh, <laughs> I reckon, oh, he's obviously, he's a lot fitter and probably more professional than me. Um, skill-wise, I'll, I'll have him. Um, if, if there was 18 teams back when he was 20, he would play AFL. Yeah, he would, he would have. And he, and he should have, even though there was, yeah, there was 16 at the time. Um, there should have been. He, he was just a bit unlucky at the time. Yeah. He, he was super late developer. He, you know, he kind of started playing his best footy at 21, 22. And back then, if you miss, miss out on when you were 18, That's it was it. kind of bad luck. Or yeah. Unless you, you've got to do something magical in the VFL to, you know, like a, a Barlow yeah. um, that, that sort of came in on the scenes. There, there wasn't many blokes that come in from the age of 20 plus and, and come in and dominate. So I, I reckon he kind of missed his boat. Um, whether he should have gone back and played VFL at maybe 26 yeah. and, and had a go, who knows? Yeah, but, who knows? you know, that, that's just going to be, yeah. In the end, he's, he's had a, an amazing career yeah, wherever he's, he's played. That's, and that's right. You see you know, he's got lovely wife and kids and stuff yeah, now, so, yeah. um, which you see and... He's got a good career and all that as well. So yeah, no, he's done really well. Um, but we we we'd probably have to agree that Ben's third. Ben's yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Close. Yeah. Nah. But he, he, he went all right. He was just, he was tough as nails. He was just completely different to Ryan and I. Yeah. You know, like we both kind of liked on the outside and be able to use it. Where Benny would just bash and crash and, you Bring, know, take. Threw the ball along. Threw the ball as long as he can, but try to whack blokes. Yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll just completely different players. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last question is there any advice that you would give to anyone based on anything that we've spoken about or is there anything you want to add to, to this to sort of. I, I guess it is. It's it's if you're having problems and whether they're so minor or, or not, um, there's so many people around you that are going through similar stuff. Um, whether it's even just talking to your partner, whether it's talking to your best mate, whether it's talking to your dad, a, a lot of people don't even just make that first point of call. Um, and I guess for, for me, with the experience, I wish I sort of went out more and, and had conversations with with a lot more different people. They could have given me tools. I could have given them tools and things that work. Um, but just starting the conversations, I've, I've, to be honest, I never really had your AFR when I needed it the most. But now, I, I could probably now, being that little bit older, I could, I could easily go and you know could talk to you easily. I could talk to my best mate Harley about something. Yeah. But back then, I, whether it was a bit of pride because I was playing AFR footy, you know, I wouldn't have come back and talked to Harley and said, mate, I'm struggling here or there yeah. or whatever. Um, so I guess having those conversations are crucial. Would would the players that you played with, if they're listening, would they know about your anxiety, or was nah. it, it still be? Nah, so nah, it'd be, none of them would know. It'd be interesting to see now whether you get messages from them to yeah, say, like that's, "Fuck, yeah, I was going right. through the same thing," or, yeah. or whatnot, because they probably. Yeah, well, I mean, I reckon it's a pretty similar thing, especially game day. You know, there's, it's so focused on it's so focused on um, pure team and, and what are you doing without the ball? You know, are you defending or you work? You know, and it's, you build so much stuff in your head, and you don't want to get it wrong because mm-hmm. you don't want to. You don't want to be on the review. You don't want to stuff it up for your team. You don't want to be the one that lets you know the team down. So there's just so much stuff that's building up inside. Yep. Um, it's just so easy to just kind of yeah get a hold of you a little bit. Thanks for sitting down with me. I appreciate it a lot. Um, I've just I've just given you some gear. We'll give uh give the clothing a bit of a wrap up. So Malzi's got a beanie hoodie long sleeve top and a tank so if anyone wants to purchase any of that stuff go onto my website um, and click on the shop so all, all the more about boys so i want to see you all in the gear in 2021 because we might not get footy on this year so uh thanks for joining me and sharing the story mate no worries, mate. thank you shane thanks for listening to power strength and vulnerability the mental health podcast If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V I T A L I T Y F I T T.com.au.